0: Hello, welcome to James's pre-fight, post-fight MMA show, where we recap all the important things happening in the sport of MMA, and I, your host James, try to explain to you what's going on in the sport and make it as easy as one, two, three for you to understand. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody. The fans assemble. I'm your host, James, and, you know, we're here for another year of fights. You know, 2022 was, you know, pretty good, some ups and some downs. But most importantly, me and my co-host, Mike, who's here to join me today. I believe we got more of our most of our picks right uh, throughout 2022, you know, the fights that we covered. And hopefully we can get some similar momentum for 2023. You know, we're gonna talk about the first card coming January 14th on ESPN+. plus Gaslam versus Immovvolv. Uh, it's a pretty good card. you know Mike and I were just talking about it a, a lot of big names trying to you know make sure that they st- stick their relevancy in contendership. and but nonetheless it's gonna be great action in my opinion anyways. Uh, you're taking place in Vegas in the Apex, and we've just been starving for fights. It's pretty much all I could say. So, we have three big fights to talk about on the card. Uh, you know, I, of course, as I do, I, I pick which ones I think will be the most intrigued. So, the first fight on the card is going to be the Maganega, Umar Namagunegov versus Hani Bar- Barcelos, excuse me. Uh, a very interesting fight, actually, because I actually um, I always thought that Umar is a very interesting uh, he comes from Team Eagle MMA. He's the cousin, the younger cousin of Habib. I always thought his striking is very, very good. You know, obviously his wrestling is very good, his grappling, and uh, what well, should be interesting to see because Honey Barcelos is very good striking. Uh, Barcelos has very good wrestling. You know, he's a part of the Brazilian Olympic, uh, Brazilian national team, and when it comes to freestyle wrestling, so they're kind of even in that way. The you know, Umar much younger than Barcelos, where uh, you have. Um, Umar is 27 years old Barcelos is 35 And then you have the records Which is very impressive from Umar 15-0 and 17-3 for Barcelos Which is also very impressive uh, Umar and Ramaganeo going to have a 69-inch reach With Barcelos having 67-inch reach And Umar, like I said, he's 15-0 So he's never lost a fight And then Barcelos, he's coming off of um, You know, he's won one fight out of his last three uh, Granted, the competition he's fought Like, um much better than Umar. Like uh, one thing I will say is Umar. He he's he's ranked kind of high. Like he's ranked like around ten to twelve range, and he hasn't actually fought a ranked opponent. So this is going to be a big fight because even though is not ranked, he's very very good. Like I said, very well rounded, uh, very young, and has a very big upside when it comes to this uh, bantamweight division, which is very stacked. But Barcelos seems like he could have possible answers uh, coming into this fight. So, Mike, what do you see when, um, you know, we talked to when you first looked at this fight? What, what was your feel for this?
1: Well, I think the first thing that stands out, the difference, um, you know, in age and experience, mm-hmm. first and foremost. Um, I think also there's the factor of Vegas. Um, obviously, Nurmagomedov is uh, heavily favored to win this fight. And obviously, yeah, also, the third piece would be the factor of the Russian momentum. That, uh, going around and you know it definitely is an interesting fight I mean obviously there's the whole like I said with the Russian fighters and the name and, and all that but putting that aside I think there's a really interesting contrast between these fighters um, that I think creates an interesting story in this fight um, I, I do think that Bar- Barcelos has a chance mm-hmm. I I don't think that he's someone you can write out of this fight. I would agree that he is, you know, a strong underdog going in, but I think he has a pathway to victory in finding a way. um, And this is kind of going to be a theme, um, not just for this fight, but the other ones in a way we're going to cover. But, you know, defense is going to be really important in this fight, and you've got to try and keep yourself up. And if you can keep yourself up, I think he has a chance to outstrike mm-hmm. and potentially create a pathway to win the fight. Um, like I said, I think that's kind of a, a reach in a sense. It's not something I think is a likely outcome. But the pathway is there. And I do think that the fight as a result you know, has a little bit of suspense to it. I think you know we need to stop necessarily just writing guys off and, and um, you know take it for what it is. And I'll call balls and strikes. And, you know, that's what I see being a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in this one, it's really just can Nermak win it on the mat. And then I think he just needs to take it to victory and, you know, win it by decision. Nothing risky, nothing overly pretty. Wow. And he could just get it done his way and, and simple as.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. The aspect you said, like, um, pretty much he, he has to make sure there's, like, no risk involved. Um, and then I do agree, like, there's a little bit of riding, there's a tiny bit of riding on the wall, like, this could be a little bit more difficult of a fight than what the odds makers are saying, right? Like, Lumar's like, some spots he's, like, over minus 600 to win this fight, 600 favorite. And, uh, and like I said, Barcelos, he does have very good wrestling. Uh, we haven't seen it tested so so much when it comes to defensive wrestling. Like he's known for his good offensive wrestling, and you know he has accolades when it comes to grappling with his uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and you know his wrestling in the Brazilian national team. But I, I do think that you make a good point. Like I think Umar, he's very good at managing risk, and uh, and basically that's all he kind of has to do is manage risk. Because Barcellos, I think I agree, like, I don't know, maybe he will try to take down Umar, but I do think that, uh, right, you think his path to victory is definitely on the feet, right, Barcellos?
1: Yeah, I think it's just defensive. I think if he tries to go offensive on the ground, he's going to definitely lose. He needs to uh, keep it standing. He needs to keep it standing, right? And, and like, that involves defense. It's going to involve getting out of the ground, getting off the ground, getting, you know, keep it not only keep himself up, but also getting himself up when he's down. Um, mm-hmm. So, obviously, any mat based strengths he has are going to have to come out. But if he tries to be offensive going down, I, I think he's going to end up losing right now.
0: Yeah, he's going to waste his time, yeah.
1: Yeah, he- he's going to lose. The- so,
0: so uh, I-, I agree with you. Um, I'm going to go – so, you're leading to uh, Nermal Ganegov, right?
1: Yeah, I I think by decision. I know, like, he did did have some submission wins recently, so I think that's there. I think that's a possibility, but I don't like it in this fight. But I think I'm going to go with decision, unanimous decision, but the submission risk is there.
0: I agree with you. I think the decision is probably more likely because, you know, even though he has good subs, like some guys he's fought who are not as good on the ground as Barcelos, you know, he, he's had to go to decision with. So I do lean towards that path of victory for him. And uh, I I, say, I think we're going to see Umar, he's going to be all the way out kicking or he's going to be all the way in trying to wrestle at least or get it, um, you know, wrestle on the cage. And um, I think we're going to see, uh, this is the possible fight where people, I don't think it's going to be like, oh my goodness, like, you know, Namag or everybody, you know, Aljamain Sterling has to watch out for him. I do think this is the fight, though, where people start to see, like, oh, this guy's a little bit of a dual threat. Like, you get frustrated on the feet, and then if you get frustrated, you lash out, you know, he'll take you down. So that's how I see this going. Uh, and I agree with you, Mike. I think the momentum's huge. And I think the youth, right, I think their age, do you think the age will take a big play or, like, in terms of, like, athleticism or,
1: like, yeah, I, you know, tenacity? I, think I think it's a factor that probably gives, you know, Nagamanov an edge, Um you know, it was my first point that I made. Um, I think it is the factor, and it, and I think youth is the strength here. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, like you said, you know, at least you like you know what you're gonna get if you're Barcelos. You know what you're gonna get from the Magamanov. and it's just a matter of if you have the physical ability to match it. And you know, like I said, odds are he won't have all the matches. I'm just curious if the comes out early and like tries to get a sub. Like if you see him like go for like a first round sub, uh, yeah. If he takes the chance with it, that's what I'm curious to see. Like, and I think that like. But other than that, I think you know.
0: Yeah, I see it the same way. Like, is he gonna take a risk and everything? Right. Um, so that So we're basically on the same page with this. Like, you know, he's probably gonna win, but let's see how far he could take it with a very interesting opponent. So going on to the co main event. Me and Mike were just talking about it. Damon Jackson versus Dan Egey. A little bit slightly a strange fight to make because you know Dan Ige, he was this guy who actually I knew him because Habib used to have all these vlogs and then Dan Ige would always be there for some reason. And that's how most people knew him, but and then you find out oh he's actually a UFC fighter. And you know he had a couple of main events, a couple of five round fights, a couple of co-main events, another one right here. Uh, but he's coming off of three losses, right? He's um, I believe he lost to the Korean Zombie. He lost to uh, Josh Emmett. You know, two guys, you know, no slouches, of course. You're, both of them, the Korean Zombies, fought for the UFC title twice. And Josh Emmett will be fighting for an interim title in February. And then he lost to the most part, Ivo Lev, who a lot of people say is very, very good. Another guy who comes from the country, of, from the Dagestan region. And uh, but this is a, a pretty big step down in my opinion. Damon Jackson. Not that Jackson's not good. It's just he's a little bit of you know he's not he's never been that hard in the rankings. Not that embedded in the rankings. Very well rounded. You know he's very wiry. Has good jiu jitsu. Good striking. Uh, and Dan Ige is very well rounded as well. Uh, Ige fifteen and six. Thirty one years old. 5'6", Seventy one is reach. He's coming off of three losses. And then Damon Jackson's twenty two and four. Thirty four years old. Five, nine also with a 71 inch reach and he is coming off I believe he's like a five five win streak which is very impressive I think his last win was over Danny Uh his last one I think he won by um first round KO. so he's coming off a lot of momentum it's gonna be interesting to see because this is a very big step up for Jackson but like you always tell me right like the, the um the momentum always plays a huge part in these type of fights. Uh, so, what do you think, Mike? What, do you, what did you see going into this one? I, I'm curious because uh, this fight's a little interesting, right? Competition, uh, momentum, things like that. I think that's even more prevalent in this matchup.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have two guys obviously on a total different pathway. I mean, thing is, Ige lost his last three fights by decision. Um, you know, he had the win, the knockout win over Tucker. Um, and then you go back to his, you know, another decision loss, um, and David Jackson's just been winning fights by decision. And now, nice. you go back, his only recent loss was to Taporia, first round knocked out. I mean, you can't really blame him there.
0: <laughs> yeah, Taporia
1: is just – he's undefeated. So I don't think you could be too mad at him there for getting knocked out in the first round. But I do find it interesting um, because you're in that position where, you know, Ige hasn't been finished in a very long time. You know, you have to go back to – you have to go back to, I believe, 2018. The lot. I don't think so. I don't even think Ige's been finished in the UFC, if I'm not mistaken. I agree. Yeah. But I don't I'm think – Yeah,
0: he's hard to finish. I know what you mean. Like, his last couple well, of losses, he's shown how tough he is.
1: Right. So, you know, like, you know, Damon Jackson's been a guy who's on a hot streak. Um, he's been finishing a lot of fights. But I think now he's going to be in a position where he can't do that as easily. Mm-hmm. And oh. and that creates a dynamic, I think, that almost in a way favors Ige. Um, I
0: checked for you, Mike. He's never been finished ever.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't think so. I wasn't sure. Um, yeah, support your I behavior, want to say, Ige was a Danaway contender series. Yes. Fighters, well, and, you know, a lot of those guys have been doing very well recently, if you're superstitious. <laughs> But, um, of course, yes,
0: put it in the betting
1: line. Yeah. You can, you can add it on, you know, as a, as a, you know, if you're a superstitious person, it's an extra thing. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's a matter of how does Damon Jackson respond to adversity in a fight? Mm-hmm. And right. maybe he's a little untested, more untested in that regard. Whereas, like, when you lose on decision, right? If you're e-gay, you're kind of undergoing like, you can go back to it and pick it apart much more and realize, okay, what slight things can I do different? Whereas is. So I I think, you know, it's a similar pathway for Ige to win this fight. Like I said, he's just got to be better defensively. He's got to be efficient striking. Um, And I think it's going to be a very close fight, but I'm just going to go with Ige. I think he's got a better experience and a better resume. Even if he is losing,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I see him bouncing back. I think he'll win by decision, but I think he'll win.
0: I think so too. I think uh, him and Jackson, well, well-rounded, you know, we've seen him sub, we've seen him get decisions and he, you know he has a, you know, he, he shows that he's, he's very mean in there when it comes to striking. But I agree with you. I think the experience of Ige and then you know, he's very well-rounded, right? like he has uh, decent wrestling. Jiu-jitsu is pretty good. You know, striking is sometimes not the best, but it, it's definitely reliable. I think uh, what, exactly what you said. I think he just has to outwork Jackson, and then just stay safe. Which I think what you said it probably makes more sense. Just make sure you don't get caught up in like a crazy sub, or you know, end up on the bottom on a takedown or something like that. I think it's pretty cut and clear, like as of that, because you know Jackson, we've seen um, you know, he hasn't gay he hasn't really lost anybody of the, you know, no offense to Jackson, but. If David Jackson were to win, this would be his biggest win by far. I think you would agree with that. And then uh, Dan Ige, right? This would be probably one of the hardest losses. He's not uh, – Jackson is no, like, cater or um, zombie, things like that. So that's the that's how I see it. So I kind of agree with you. It's kind of cut and dry for both of us, I think, in that aspect. So we both have Dan Ige via decision. So moving on to the main event. The crown jewel of this card, as we like to say in Kansas, symbol we have Nazardin Imoval of you know he he's from he originates from Dagestan, but then he grew up I believe in trains in Paris, France with uh, Cyril former interim champion Cyril Gaon, and uh, he's fighting perennial contender at two way classes before now middleweight Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, Nazar is twelve and three. He's twenty seven years old. 6'3, 75 inch reach. And he's come, and I believe he's only lost one time in his whole UFC career. And that was against, um, he uh, eludes me, but I remember it was my decision. And then Calvin Gaslam, 17 and 8, 31 years old, uh, 5'9, or 71 inch reach. And he has lost the last two out of his three. Um, things to note going into this fight is Calvin Gaslam was originally supposed to fight in April of last year against Drakeus Duplessis. But then he ended up tearing his ACL, so he couldn't fight for a while. Well, Nazardin Imovov, this guy has just been working. Uh, you know, he had his win. He he won. Um, he's had a lot of good wins from Hey, everybody. So, I don't know if you've heard the news, but actually, the main event has changed. Uh, it's no longer Nazarene Imovov versus Kelvin Gaslam. So, we're making a, a, an emergency podcast recording. Sean Strickland, who I believe is ranked number six in the middleweight division, has decided to sub in for Calvin Gastelum, and now he's fighting Nazarene Imov, which is a completely different fight, you know. As someone who's always watched Imov's career very, very closely, this is a very different type of style because um you know, just read the tale of the tape, right? And Sean Strickland's 25 and five, 31 years old, six one. So he is a bit taller than Calvin five-nine. With a 76 inch reach, but he is coming off of two losses. And Nazir Demirval is 20, 12 and three, 27 years old, six three, so he is a bit taller, 75 inch reach, and he's and he's basically only lost one fight in the UFC. Um, very different fight for Demirval, right? Gaslam is a southpaw, lefty, five nine, so it does make the striking very very different. I'm sure he was thinking Calvin Gaslam would have to close the distance on him, and now Sean Strickland is a guy who has a lot of Volume, you know, something Imavol um, is going to have to watch out for. It is being held in a 205 pound weight division, uh, which makes things very different. That probably means Sean Strickland could not um, make the weight for middleweight, most likely. Uh, which should be a interesting dynamic because that may mean that he's not in the best shape. As Strickland, he even said it himself that he is still continues. To surprise himself, how he's able to—he uh, was able to make the Walter weight limit. Uh, very inter- also, you know, we had the question of Nazar Imovov. He did start to slow down towards the end of his fight with uh, his last fight in Paris against Joaquin Buckley. I think that, um, but it, I, but that's like the only fight we've ever really seen him get tired in. Um, so. And Vaughn typically, he's the guy who's turning it up towards the end of the fight. You know, typically, he's the guy who shows great cardio. I personally think it was just because him and Buckley had so much emotion going into that fight. You know, he, he tried to finish him multiple times in the first round. Uh, I think that that's probably the reason. Um, so, I'm sure Sean Strickland is probably, the line is a little bit closer than the Calvin Gaston one. Uh, but I, me and Mike were talking about it. Mike's unfortunately not going to be able to join me right now. But we were saying that Imovov, we're probably leaning towards him. It's hard to explain how this fight's going to go, right? Strickland with all the volume. But he doesn't really, you know, he has the same speed. He doesn't really throw leg kicks or body punches. Most of his strikes are always to the head. Uh, Nazarene Imovov is very light on his feet. And one thing, the things me and Mike were discussing is maybe the key for Imovov and why we're going to lean towards him. Because he has very good feints, which we've seen against Derek Kenanier. That Sean Strickland, you know, he commits so much to his defense the way he, like, if you throw a kick, all of his energy will go into defending that kick. If you throw a punch, all of his energy will be going into defending that punch. And when you're feinting well, when you're throwing combinations, when you're not expecting every single strike you throw to land, then you, uh that's when he gives him trouble, right? That's why he started backing up a lot against Cannonier. That's why he started getting hit by Cannoneer towards the end. And I think Dean he's going to have to do that, you know, which is typically just, just the way he fights, right? A lot of feints, a lot of setups, um, good kicks. I think he's going to have to have the game plan of not letting Sean Strickland go forward, or he has to have the game plan that he has to either stay all the way out with his kicks, with his jab, which is very good. And Sean Strickland has a great jab too, but when you go jab for jab and you start to throw in kicks in there, especially kicks to the body and the leg, With Strickland, you know, he does defend with both his hands, which just leave him open to certain strikes. Then um, I think that would be the key for Imovov. Also, one thing is Strickland, he does have good wrestling defense, but typically they're always against guys who just wrestle, like Hermanson, for example. And Imovov, he's more like he strikes, but he does have good wrestling, good grappling. And so his game plan should be Imovov is to, um, you know, story all the way out with his kicks, feint, try to get Sean Strickland backing up. And then uh, when he comes close, use your clinch, use your wrestling. He will, Amovov is the better striker in the clinch. He does land big shots, like big elbows, big knees. Um, That's something we haven't really seen Sean Strickland deal with. Like good guys who strike in the clinch very well. And we don't typically see Sean Strickland even fight guys who are very well-rounded. Like Strickland, he's very good at that boxing range where he'll, you know, he'll defend in the pocket. He'll get guys missing, things like that. But he hasn't really fought anybody who's who has all the options of taking it to the mat, taking it against the fence in the clinch, uh, you know, fainting, using his kicks very well. To me, Nasruddin basically just has to keep his cool, keep the game plan, expect to miss early, do not go head hunting, mix it up. Uh, basically what he usually does in all his fights. So that's basically going to be the key for him. Uh, Sean Strickland, he kind of does what he usually does in all his fights. And I expect him not to change really, you know, it is a short notice fight. Um, maybe he does come out a little bit harder. You know, he thought he won his fight against Jared Cannonier, So perhaps he'll come out even harder, you know, putting on a big pace. Uh, but you know, Imavov does have multiple ways to dissipate that we think, um, it's a very close fight. It's a very interesting fight. It's a harder fight uh, in terms of ranking-wise. It is a little bit more simplistic of a matchup, though, for him of all. Like, Kelvin Gaston has good power. Also has high-volume boxing. Also has good wrestling. So, but uh, basically, Nazuddin can't just... He can't let Sean Strickland's rhythm go on for too long. And it's it's going to be difficult with the short nose camp. But we do think that, you know, the possibility of Sean Strickland not being in the best shape. Nazruddin does have similar things that you would want to beat someone like Sean Strickland, like the feints and the kicking ability and the range, uh, that we think that Imov, Nazdy, could he could, uh, we're leaning toward, me and Mike are both leaning towards Imovov to win this fight. Uh, very, very close fight. Should be an interesting one, you know. You got Imovov, so well-rounded, has a lot of great skills. And as Sean Strickland, you know, he, he only fights one way, but his one way, he does it very well. So, very interesting fight. You know, Please like, comment, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our uh, podcasting platforms. Please give us a review there. Please, you know, it really helps out to make a better product and to get it out faster. So thank you guys for listening. Sorry, apologies for the late change up, but that's how it goes in this business. So thank you all and goodbye. And I hope to see you all next time. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you were listening to, please subscribe to Fans Assemble. And if you can, please give us a rating. Do it for the audio world. They need you.